Welcome to Rumor and Innuendo, everybody. It is me, House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman. And me, WWE Creative Issues, Robert Corpolis. Welcome back, everybody, to ad-free shows and podcast seats, only daily pro wrestling news show. We really appreciate everybody tuning in live Monday through Friday, noon Eastern here on X and YouTube. And of course, everybody listening to podcast form. Thank you very much for tuning in as well. The chat room is open. If you're over on YouTube or X, you're welcome to jump in. Leave us a thought here as the show goes along. Uh, Professor, spelled with an O, says he loves the intro with the countdown, fellas. That shit is dope. You know, that's great. And if you're not watching us in video form and you're watching us and you're listening to podcast form, you're missing the dope, uh, sick as shit uh, countdown intro at the top. Oh, the music that that starts it, I wind up dancing to every time. It's gotten so bad that my six-year-old son walks, sorry, seven-year-old son, he's had a birthday, uh, walks around the house singing our opening theme song. He'll just be walking around uh, humming the the tune. It's it's catchy. It's fun. But we got a lot of wrestling stuff to get into, man. We do. And Senior Two Phones over here saying he can't wait for Robert uh, to talk about the Devil storyline. Of course, we are going to get that to that today. We're going to talk about MJF, this new uh, twist in the AEW Devil storyline, updated World's End card, Scotty Tuhati back in action. We got some viewership data for AEW and WWE. Madison Square Garden gave a small gift to CM Punk. Mercedes Varnado, Varnado, butchered that last name. Anyway, uh, the former Sasha Banks teasing a WWE return and, and a whole lot more here on the show. And of course, right now, uh, any minute, it might be right now, the AEW World's End media call with Tony Khan just kicked off. So we're going to keep our eyes open for anything coming out of that throughout the show. And then as soon as this is over, I'm going to jump over there, ask hopefully a question of Tony Khan about something everybody's very interested in. Okay. Let's My guess it. is Nick's going to ask about Billy and the CW, so we're not yes. going to touch on it today. We're going to save right. it, and hopefully Nick gets to ask it during the press conference. Yes, we'll see, ideally. I'm going to break those walls down, that's for sure. All right, so uh, here we go, everybody. AEW Dynamite was last night, and it went uh, off with a bang. Two minutes to the top of the hour, MJF finds himself ringside with his uh, AEW and ROH Tag Team Championship, Samoa Joe, he doesn't come out to his music. They cut to the back. Joe's laid out. Max decides to play the hero. The devil wants him to be. Says, I'm going to make this a handicap match. Goes on fast offense against these two masked individuals. They get the upper hand when a third masked individual jumps out from underneath the ring with a pipe. Attacks Max. Rolls it back into the ring. One of the masked men, the, uh, the larger, lankier, taller of the men, he hits the heat seeker. Uh, pile driver Max's own move on him. They pin Max, new ROH World Tag Team Champions. A fourth masked man runs to the ring. They all start beating down on Friedman. Here comes Samoa Joe for the save. Everybody powders. Joe and Friedman alone in the ring. You get Samoa Joe uh, behind Friedman as a big message flashes on the screen. It says, pleasure doing business with you. Joe hits Max. Max falls. Joe picks up the AEW World Championship, and there is your go-home angle for World's End. Robert, the whole world's waiting. What did you think about how the way Dynamite wrapped up last night? Man, when there were about two minutes left and they were starting the main event, I thought we could not get more into Nitro territory. Then I saw what they delivered as that main event, and we were smack dab into the finest TNT wrestling show we had ever seen. Uh, it's Shivani on commentary. I felt like it was 1999 again. It was a, it was a nice blast from the past. What was challenging and frustrating was watch dynamite. I thought the show for the first hour and let's say 58 minutes 
was doing everything it needs to do for AEW. You're focusing on a lot of young talent. You're focusing on a lot of the, the building blocks going forward. And then you have that ending with this devil storyline that continues to get more convoluted and more bizarre as we move to the end of the year. I get that we need to have a reason to be excited about Joe and MJF. I'm just, I, I'm worried about what the ultimate payoff is going to be here, who the devil is going to be, who these masked men are, and that it's not just going to be a huge letdown. Yeah, you know, uh, the broad consensus I've received over the last uh, 18 hours since this has aired is that it's got to be Adam Cole. It's got to be Matt Taven and Mike Bennett that were the masked men in the tag match, bringing the ROH tag titles back to the kingdom. These are ROH people. Samoa Joe is an ROH guy. I could see him and Cole coming together. How long Joe has been entangled in this, I guess we'll find out. But the only reasonable payoff that I think would satiate fans at this point, and it better come pretty quick because I think people are getting a little long in the tooth for this one, would be a returning Adam Cole. I mean, he's injured. He can't wrestle on his own. Why wouldn't he create a band of mercenaries to get the job done for him? I I'm just filling in blanks here the best I can. So I've tried to look at this with my, my creative hat on and see where we are at the calendar year and the fact that you've now taken the ROH tag titles off of MJF and he's going into this match on Saturday, the last match of the year, with the title on the line, with the idea of the bidding war of 2024, it now for the first time really stands to reason that Max is going to wind up losing that title. And I wouldn't be shocked if not only does he lose the title, that he goes away for a little while. He's been saying, I have not signed a new contract with AEW. We've talked about it ad nauseum. I think it's an interesting story if Joe aligned with this devil and these mass folks are running roughshod. And it's nice to have Joe as the world champion because, again, you have Will Ospreay coming up in a couple months and he's going to need a big bad guy to go after. And I think a babyface Ospreay hunting for Joe, that's a lot of fun. And then eventually, theoretically, a returning Max seeking revenge. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I, I agree. Yeah, and we have Cadillac Carson here saying that Adam Cole was the one who recommended the Samojo team with MJF trying to tie some more of these pieces together. I will say this, right? I'll play devil's advocate here. And you can yeah. all you can all roll your eyes at that comment as I did think about it beforehand. Bad improv on my part. But I will say this. There has been no story in the last month or so that has driven more interest, more traffic. I could tell you at House of Wrestling, that story about Max uh, and the devil at the end, which was just pure, just a recap of a storyline with like, hey, let's all speculate who this is, drove more traffic than anything else on Dynamite by a mile. You look at our viewership and you look at our listenership for this show, Rumored Innuendo, our top episodes are about this devil storyline, right? It, the risk that we're running here, though, I guess, is what you keep coming back to, which is there does seem to be interest here. If you get a bad payoff, you're running the risk of burning fans and upsetting them if, if it doesn't come out in a way that they're all going to be happy about. Rarely, if ever, in pro wrestling does a mystery reveal really pay off. And I have to hope when Tony first went down the path of doing this devil storyline, he had a clear finish in mind. Those tend to be the most successful. It's what we've seen over the last year and change of WWE that has made fans feel a little bit more comfortable in what they're watching, that Hunter has long-term storytelling, and it's not Vince's 
changing his mind at the last minute and it's something else. So I really hope there is a destination and that it's a destination that people are going to be excited about. For a while, it felt like the devil story picked up momentum because people thought it was going to be punk. Obviously, it's not punk. People thought maybe it's going to be Jack Perry. It's not going to be Jack Perry. So now you're kind of left within storyline world of, oh, it's it's uh, Adam Cole. But if it's revealed as Adam Cole and the guy he's feuding with is supposedly not going to be here in 2024 unless he signs a new contract, I, where are we going? Or is I, this going to be like you just like proffered? A Ring of Honor invasion. Yeah, I thought about that as well, right? Is that the ROH guys get it all together here? Um, man, you know, it, it'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on here. I definitely think we get the payoff here, hopefully at World's End to all of this. So we kind of put a button on this and we can move away because I think you're dead on. I think Max goes away here for a little while after World's End, tries to lean into the idea that maybe this guy's not coming back because they want to see that, that angle through. And we will hopefully have a, a hot heel here. Well, with those titles, uh, one way or another, coming out of World's End that they could work with. But that will wrap up uh, a lot of things that people have been buzzing about storyline-wise for this company. And and the moves they make after that will be, uh, will be very crucial. I think it'll be interesting to see. I think, yes, the idea of Max losing the title and then at the top of the ramp, the mask comes off and it's Adam Cole. And Max is heartbroken that the one time he was a good guy and was friends with people... They stabbed him in the back, and then he decides to just go away for a while. He loses his smile, and then maybe decides, you know, he's going to come back as the avenging angel at some point in time. It could be fun. Maybe it's also because I would just personally love to see Samoa Joe get a real run with the world title. We have not seen that from him since his time in TNA, and it's debatable if that really counts. I think he's someone that can bring some stability to that championship going forward. We got a couple comments here from uh, X from Twitter. Uh, Tim M saying, Tony Khan is the devil. Ted saying, how hilarious of a blunder would it be if it was Tony Khan? Now, other than Adam Cole, I mean, Tony Khan kind of fits. I mean, uh, against what he said in the early days of AEW, that he would not become some kind of on-screen character. The man is definitively an on-screen character. He is the authority figure. He is the Shawn Michaels uh, to the NXT of AEW. And, you know, you go back to All Out last year when Max debuted as the devil. He did so after bending Tony Khan over a barrel, real fake, whatever you want to make of that, to get a new deal uh, or a better deal to come back and wrestle for the company. So as a way to exact revenge on Maxwell Jacob Friedman, does Tony Khan go through the extent of, putting together this devil storyline. I mean, it would make a lot of sense why these masked guys were allowed to do a sanctioned AEW match after attacking so many people. And last thing here about that match, and I know we got more stuff to talk about, Bryce Remsburg looked like an absolute fucking dolt uh, in that match with the way that he turned his back to the pipe. I mean, just the over-the-top, sloppy foot-on-the-rope spot that ended that thing that was a huge cacophony. How does a ref not notice that? I just thought it was really... I thought it was very bad for the ref, and I know that's a very nuanced, whatever, Jimmy Cordera's argument, but I didn't think that the refs looked very strong in that particular situation. I've never been a huge Bryce Remsburg fan because I tend to like a referee to sort of recede into the background, and I never like when a guy puts himself front and center 
I think Bryce over the years has done that. And I, I did notice some of those sloppy moments. The Tony Khan as the devil was something I had suggested several months ago on, on the on my WrestleRose podcast because to your end, Max definitely, you know, screwed him around. I think you've seen what happened with the punk situation, with this idea that Tony is losing control of his company. We have not seen the Bucks on TV in a while. I mean, essentially the elite in general have vanished into the ether. So this idea of Tony bringing in this group of mercenaries and taking back control and saying, you know, this is my company. Also, it's very tough knowing how big of a fan Tony mm -hmm. Khan is of wrestling for him to resist the it's me, Austin, it's me all along moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and truthfully, I would prefer the Bucks uh, being a part of this whatever undisputed era uh, undisputed elite era amalgamation that it seems to be forming over them doing the Bucks camp thing. I think I think that them as uh, some foils to an Adam Cole or somebody that is part of a very buzzy storyline would be much a better use of them than doing this thing where they come out with Colt Cabana and maybe Jack Perry and just rub it in everybody's faces how they run the place and you deal with CM Punk chance for three months. I think slotting them in with this group of mass people would actually be preferable to what to what it is that I just described. So here's my controversial kind of to put a, a lid on this whole thing. AEW has prided itself on its quality in ring matches. They've been talking about when QT left and some other folks that they're focusing in a new direction. I think the feedback we've seen, the response, the excitement is wrestling fans love a good storyline they can get invested in. And this devil storyline, good, bad, or indifferent, has hooked the audience in a way that some of the other content they put out there has not. We've seen it with this. We've seen it with the, the Christian Cage storyline. Fans are, are excited to watch sports entertainment that encompasses fantastic wrestling, but also something else for you to get invested in. So maybe the lesson here that Tony's going to learn is let's map out some more storylines and give these guys something to do. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, well, Talk about storylines heading into World's End. We got a couple matches, and one match in particular has a long storyline tale behind it. That is, of course, well, actually, a couple of these matches have long storyline tales behind them. Let's start with the AEW Continental Classic Finals here. Uh, John Moxley, he won the triple threat at the top. He defeated Jay White and um, Swerve Strickland to win the Gold League Finals slot over in the B League. We had Brian Danielson losing to Eddie Kingston. That sets up Kingston Moxley for the finals at World's End. These guys have been longtime friends, occasional enemies. Moxley came out, cut this promo on Kingston afterwards, saying if you're going to get this, you're going to have to earn every inch. Fired Kingston up to come back at Mox. I thought this was very well done. I know that there have been some criticisms about how the Continental Classic, uh, you know, maybe not setting up really advanced storylines on the other side of it, but... Hard to argue. This this did create at least a very memorable moment, I think, between Moxley and Kingston last night on Dynamite. Yeah, you leaned on the history that these guys had. Obviously, Moxley and Kingston can go out there and deliver a strong emotional promo. Eddie Kingston is the guy that Tony Khan should be leaning on as his Mick Foley. This is a, a wrestler that audiences gravitate to. They love to. They love his real-life story, his in-ring work. He looks different. He's passionate. The, the finals being him and Moxley surprised me a little bit because I felt like Shane Strickland had a tremendous amount of momentum. Mm -hmm. And my, my criticism of Tony over the years is you have these long windows of time in between pay-per-views and you were just doing four a year. 
And a lot of the time it feels like the week before or week of, he's suddenly like, oh no, I need to put matches on this thing. Let's just throw a bunch of matches there like, as if he forgot to do his homework until the morning of. The matches will deliver because you can rely on the talent. But there were, I think, three matches that sprung up out of this one show. Yes, yes. There were at least three matches that sprung up out of this show. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what, what Tony's going to say. He's going to say, I know we get a lot of criticism for our shows and our build, but these pay-per-views always deliver. They're always great. We always have great reviews for our pay-per-views. And so just forget about everything that happened because just look at what we did for five, seven, seven nine and a half hours. Look at what we did here tonight with this heaping helping of wrestling. Everybody loved it, so we should just ignore everything going into it. It's always the focus on the pay-per-view, but you're right, because we got this match set up, and granted, there was a steady build to it. We knew this, but Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee, Swerve did not. <laughs> Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee came up literally out of nowhere. I, I guess they've kind of been reheating it a little bit in the backdrop of the Continental Classic, but... You know, he does, Swerve doesn't get pinned in the triple threat. Those honors go to Jay White. We could have that conversation too. But uh, Swerve Strickland takes his anger backstage with Prince Nana. He just kind of shoots his shot at Keith Lee. Tony Schiavone says, you've been one up. Keith Lee already gave me this contract. And then now, we, I, which I, I didn't really, whatever. And so now we get this match. Now, how we got here, you're right. Slapdash, last minute. But, you know, people are excited. They do want to see the conclusion to this storyline that began well over a year ago at this point. It began well over a year ago and it vanished. And it was one of the big yeah. criticisms folks had about AEW that you get invested in a storyline and then you never get a payoff. And now we're getting the payoff a year later because Keith Lee, who I'm going to plug within the world of continuity here of kayfabe, was at the building. On the off chance that Swerve was going to lose this match, had a contract drawn up and given to Shivani on the off chance that Tony was going to interview Swerve to set up for the pay-per-view on Saturday. Mm -hmm. That is a special degree of logic leap to try to get to it, but it goes to my point of Tony's going to rely on these guys are going to get me out of whatever booking jam I need because they're fantastic wrestlers. And you can only do that for so long before the audience just becomes numb to it. You had a fantastic Keith Lee, uh, Swerve Strickland storyline to tell. You haven't told it in a very long time. And now you're expecting, I guess, a video package to do the heavy lifting for you. Yeah. Um, and lastly here uh, for, for World's End, Miro is going to take on Andrade El Idolo uh, again. This has been something that's been simmering on Collision for a while, right? You've had C.J. Perry and Andrade's corner. That's Miro's wife. Miro wants her to go home. She wants to stay. You know, there's something here, but it was announced on Dynamite in a video package, kind of last minute, where, again, I just felt like it could have, you know, much like you were just talking about with the Swerve and Keith Lee and the convolutedness, would have maybe just been better for Swerve to just say, I'm pissed off. I need somebody to take my aggression out on. I'm calling out Keith Lee. Storms off. The announcers say, hey, we've heard from Keith. That match is happening. Right. You kind of take away the kind of stickiness of how you got there. Um, same deal here. I think there could have just been a stronger way to punch uh, this one to give it a little oomph on the on the way through the door on the world's end. I mean, that's kind of been Miro's push since his return is they could be doing a lot more with him. And it doesn't feel like they have been. Hopefully, you know, obviously him and Andrade are going to deliver well. Hopefully CJ Perry is healthy enough to make an appearance. And she she's, is the she's crux not of on this. the graphic. She's not on the graphic. Okay. Yeah. Well, she's sort of the, the crux of this feud, so we'll see. 
I'm glad these guys are getting an opportunity. And based on some of your prior reporting, this may be one of the last times we see Andrade in AEW. Yeah, and it would be great if he put over Miro Huge. And if CJ is able to be there, you know, after the hell she's just been through over a week in the hospital, her finger's been cut to all hell. Miro beating Andrade and then having a moment with CJ afterwards where they hug and he lifts her up and they get back on the same page. It would be a huge reaction for him. And I think that's where, I mean, you just saw all these videos of him and her in the hospital and he's got the flowers. He's bringing her cookies. Are you really going to believe? I mean, I, I'm sorry. I just think it's jumped the shark a little bit that I, that I, I can suspend my disbelief that he does not love that his wife is at work every day. I think at this point, if she can be there, I pick up the win over Andrade and, and put it back together and have that big Rocky moment. Or it's your savage Elizabeth moment. I, yeah, I guess same deal. it were I think it works. We'll see. It's some degree of intrigue. It's going to be a hell of a match. If you're tuning in to watch world's end on Saturday. And we can then have them do a recommitment ceremony and find out which female member of the roster has a lesbian love affair interest in CJ Perry. And now we're off of the races. Now we're off. Now we're having fun. Which is what's crazy is Miro's already been part of a wedding storyline on AEW because there was the Kip Sabian segment that I blocked from my brain until right now. That is right. Years of therapy. And now you're reminding me uh, that, you know, he popped out of a box or whatever. There was a someone was handcuffed. This is Nick. What else do we have to talk about before? All right. I know. I know. I know that we are unfortunately running low on time here. So I will uh, jump to the last dynamite. Uh, topic that we have and that is something that got everybody buzzing on social media before the show even hit the air scotty tuhati is back he is in an aw ring he came out to the too cool theme song which got everybody popping uh he's got the bucket hat he's got the cargo pants he's got the puffy jacket and he is doing the worm he teamed with the acclaim to take on uh, the guns and daddy magic and jake hager uh fightful saying that aw has the rights to use the too cool theme music they utilized it for this appearance. Those that they spoke with say that the music was part of a music library that AEW licensed to get access to the Hardy Boys theme song. And they also have access to the Hardcore and Crash Holly theme songs as well. So, uh, unfortunately, Crash, no longer with us, will not be able to make his AEW debut. But it did get the wheels of my mind going. Do we get one more? From Bob Holly. Is that I don't know. They got the theme music, and it just seems like something Tony would feel feel moved to do knowing he could pull it off. Because Tony doesn't think that the backstage atmosphere is not toxic enough. Let's bring in hardcore Holly. <laughs> um I, I I love Bob. I he was there when I was there, and I was not at all genuinely terrified of hardcore Holly. The music library, I believe, was through MSoft, so that doesn't surprise me. There was a, a music library database you can type in searchable phrases and pull up theme songs. So not everything was created by Jim Johnston at that point. So why not let Scotty Too Hotty? It was non televised. You're going to make the local fans happy. He's he's an Orlando guy. People are want to get all worked up that, oh, no, this means that he's going to be on TV and he's going to be a character. No, he's a guy to make the fans happy during a dark match with the acclaimed. I don't have a lot of problems with it. Scott, he's, Scott is one of the great guys in wrestling and a good use of your your agent. Yeah, and I, dis- I disagree. I do think this guy finds his way to TV. I mean, this thing hit harder than I think they could have even imagined. I mean, this thing was all over social media. Outside of the devil angle, it was the top most trended thing on House of Wrestling for sure. 
And I, you know, I just think that Tony's going to see this as a chance to put something on Rampage, uh, put something on a collision, maybe to just kind of add a little judge and maybe push things over the line. I thought pairing him with um, B- Billy Gunn was smart. A couple attitude era guys to put over the acclaimed who are kind of got that attitude era vibe. I, I didn't hate it. I-, I I do. I think that we see him on TV here. Not, not, not too long from now. If it's a one-off nostalgia thing. Great. I, I don't want to see him be a regular participant. I think we've seen the diminished returns, even with the Hardys of them being on. And eventually you're like, we want to move on to something new. They have a lot of great young talent. Let's focus on that. All right. And um, speaking of collision, WrestleNomics saying that Collision this past Saturday did 489,000 viewers. That's their highest viewership since October 21st. Um, so I do think there is something to be said about the Continental Classic, at least working for Collision, which was looking for a real kind of identity and a way to grab people in. So I do think that it helped that show. I mean, before I go any further, do, do you disagree with the fact that the Continental Classic has helped boost some interest over to Collision the last month or so? So I think the advantage that it had for this last episode of Collision was it was the finals of the tournament. You were getting yeah. a definitive winner and loser. My frustration in the tournament was a lot of these matches did not matter. So I was more interested to see this past week's Collision because it was winner go home. And if you're going to do that in a tournament, there's an incentive for someone to tune in. If it's win and you're going to get points and eventually we're going to find out who's winning, it becomes less essential. Yeah. Um, well, over on the WWE side, uh, also from WrestleNomics, Monday Night Raw, their twenty best of 2023 Christmas night edition, pulled 698,000 viewers, the lowest viewership in Monday Night Raw history. But of course, it was Christmas night. Um, the highest quarter hours for that show came in the final two uh, quarter hours, which featured the replay of the men's War Games match. And then, of course, CM Punk's subsequent uh, return to WWE. Nothing really there, but I will say while we're talking about CM Punk, the WWE released a video of him backstage at Madison Square Garden where uh, a representative from the Garden gifted him a plaque uh, commemorating his first WWE match in over a decade and noting a sold-out house for that performance. And uh, that's pretty cool, man. That's 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 pretty cool. It was a nice moment. The video is... It's endearing. It's him opening it up. I think he's finding a way to to resituate himself in the wrestling landscape as not being the disruptive shit disturber that we just witnessed for the last little while and more of the, I'm really happy to be back here. Man, this is all so cool. I can't believe I get to wrestle at the garden. Golly gosh, gee. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? Oh, I'm sure it's not driving... Anyone insane that he's behaving that way. Um, and lastly here, uh, over, or not lastly, I guess, we have one more thing if we have time, but over on Instagram, um, former Sasha Banks, uh, Mercedes uh, Vernado, she shared a photo of herself in front of the Boston Bruins Stadium, or arena. I don't know, I'm not familiar. Arena. A, a, Boston, a Bruins arena. Um, and, uh, of course, the Boston area, Boston, is where WWE did a live event Last night, if you were there, you maybe got a broken table given away by Cody Rhodes, who was just giving away set pieces. Awesome gimmick. <laughs> awesome, awesome, fantastic gimmick. But, um, you know, hey, this was not unintentional. Uh, is It seems, you know, with the AEW talks dying down and Triple H back in control and the way various people are making amends and getting pushed, does it just feel like an inevitability till we saw, see Sasha Banks back at WWE? Yeah, I think 
all of her friends are thriving there. You see what Bailey is doing. Bailey, who just, I believe, renewed her contract. Uh, the other horsewomen have all found their footing on the main roster and are being treated well. She was just working with Kyrie Sane over in Japan, and now oh, yeah. Kyrie Sane is being pushed like crazy as part of damage control. I think Sasha Mercedes sees the landscape in WWE. There's a tremendous amount of, of new and fresh matches for her that are sitting there waiting. And with Charlotte being on the shelf for nine months, I know that Mercedes is asking for a lot of money. Boy, that would be a great thing to plug in with Charlotte Flair on the shelf. Yeah. Um, well, also yesterday, PWInsider.com obtained a copy of Liv Morgan's police report for the marijuana arrest uh, she had down in Florida. Nothing new here. Um, you're free to read it. It's over at HouseOfWrestling.com. I did want to make note of it. I also, of course, wanted to make note of this. Slim Jim put out its latest press release. Good news for all you Fast Meat fans. That vehicle has been found. Fast Meat, thanks to the nationwide search, has been recovered, Robert. Our long national nightmare has finally come to an end. Thank God. The cloud that this was over Christmas, uh, <laughs> it ruined my birthday. I thought it was going to ruin New Year's. I, I haven't slept. I haven't eaten. And now it is there. And now not only am I going to eat, I'm gonna. I'm not going to eat a Slim Jim. I, 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 I want to live to see next year. Um, all right. And lastly here, since this is ad-free shows, we will make note of StarCast Down Under going down in April uh, after WrestleMania. Uh, if you're heading there, you're going to get to see uh, three big shows. There's going to be a, an Australian showcase presented by Oceania Pro Wrestling. But you're also going to get an Australian stampede overseen by Bret Hart. That's cool as hell. And an all-female show called Hers, produced by Mickey James. Uh, the, the Bret Hart uh, announcement in particular, uh, I thought was a very cool addition to this to this lineup. Yeah, I think it's it's a nice thing for the Australian fans if you're going to be there attending that event. It makes sense to use Bret Hart as you can't use him as a GM since it's a one off show. So you have him there hosting this and the, the winner gets to cut a promo about how much they hate Goldberg. Hey, and there we go, guys. We made it to the finish line. Half hour of power. Thank you so much for tuning in tomorrow. It's Fun Friday. We're going to do an extended episode tomorrow because we're going to release half of it in audio form on Monday, half of it in audio form on Friday. But if you're listening in video form or watching in video form, you're going to get the whole thing tomorrow. And, of course, it isn't a new year without Stephen P. New. That is right. We are going to have Stephen P. New, the attorney for CM Punk and A-Steel, on the show here live tomorrow. Anything can happen. The comment section will be open. Uh, just like our good friend Professor saying, I bet it won't be the CW stuff if you don't have time. You're right. We didn't have time for the CW, but we are going to have time for Stephen P. New tomorrow. Come on in. And if you like this show, uh, of course, Noon Eastern, Monday through Friday, X and YouTube. And if you can't watch us live in video form, catch us in audio form on all your podcast platforms, all your comments, all your ratings, everything, your subscriptions. That helps propel us up the charts. We saw our best day of downloads ever yesterday. And uh, I'd love to break that record again here today. So please help us out. We really appreciate it. I'm Nick Hausman. Go check out HouseOfWrestling.com. And the only other thing I'm going to plug uh, today, December 28th, my WrestleRoast podcast. We're having our WrestleRoast holiday party this evening at 7 o'clock. If you're a Patreon member, you get to attend that taping live. Otherwise, that show is going to drop tomorrow. That's one of the most fun things I get to do all year. This has quickly become the most fun thing I get to do every day. So... On behalf of the ebullient Nick Hausman, I'm Robert Karpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors. Whoosh.